Shot or no shot, it's a staple every single day at 8 o'clock. And it's brought to you by our friends at ESPN Bet. Brand new, awesome, download the app. $100 in bonus bets with any sports book bet when you sign up at ESPN Bet. Hoodie and I always have a lot of fun with the man who is... Handling all the questioning in shot or no shot, that would be Shea W. Norling. Good morning, boys. Hoodie uh, out on the road. Kaplan, how are we? I'm good, man. How are you? I feel great. I feel great. I'm ready for another edition of Shot or No Shot. Um, Hoodie's at the Ritz in Evansville. I didn't even know they had a Ritz in Evansville. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, you mean the Ritz Cracker. I think that's what you meant. I heard they got a a Morton Steakhouse in in there, too. You're living large. Do they? Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, when you get to this city, you lock the door. So I don't know what else is uh, was out, outside that door. Maybe they do have a Ritz. I have no idea. But they the kill the cow here. right outside in the farm, and then they bring him in. That's okay. the steakhouse. <laughs> wow. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Uh, just It has a Hootersville kind of feel to it around here. Just one person at the desk. She's doing all the work. She's cooking the eggs and, bre- and the breakfast this morning. She's answering the phone. She's cleaning up the area. So... Uh, one woman uh, act around here, apparently. That's impressive. All right, let's get yeah. started with Shot or No Shot. Uh, in an interview with Grain's Chicago Business, Rob Manfred, commissioner of Major League Baseball, said the White Sox building a new stadium in the downtown area would be a, quote, game changer, and that he believes the organization can get it done with no new taxes. Construction could be partially financed by the league because apparently... Stadium construction can be deducted from your revenue sharing, uh, but the key is Manfred's desire to get a new Sox park in downtown Chicago. Shot or no shot, the White Sox being downtown would be a game changer. It's your team, your dance floor. When you say game changer, that means... I I, I don't know what Rob Manfred meant. I don't know if it means it's like a... Game changer to have another team in the downtown area of a major market. Yeah. If it's a game changer in terms of like a new era for Chicago White Sox baseball, that it would change the vibe there. I don't know. I don't know what he means. Like, what yeah. does game changer mean to you, Hoodie? Would it be a game yeah. changer if you're going to the Sox Park at the 78 as opposed to 35th and Shields? Well, it's a good question that I asked, though, right? Because when he says game changer, all I know is that the White Sox have underachieved a ton. Uh, they could be at the 78. They could be at the 35th. They could play in South in South Shore. Uh, they've had their underachievement as a team. So g- game changer as far as amenities or the way they look at, at building stadiums in the future, I guess from Major League Baseball standpoint, that's a, a game changer. But as far as the Sox, you could be in a new stadium, but if you still suck, it's just the same team, right? I'm not saying that by the time the, the Sox build a new stadium that they'll be in the same position, but – it does. The future does not look bright at this point in time. It's a game changer, I guess, from Major League Baseball standpoint, because it's a new stadium. That's a shot. But as far as the Sox, Kev, I don't know how to read that. Game changer for what? The uh, Sox? Does that mean new new ownership around the corner? Who knows? I do believe it is a game changer for these reasons. 
all of a sudden you go from, and this is not a shot at the area that the stadium is in, it's just factually speaking, there isn't a lot that attracts people to the area around guaranteed rate. They've got the Shy Sox Bar and Grill, cool. They've got a couple of places in the area right off you know, the, the bars there. What is it? Cork and Kerry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, basically, Bridgeport is where you got to go if you're going to the Sox game. Right. You don't go, hey, you guys want to go to hang out in Bridgeport tonight? You do not. That's not a shot at Bridgeport. It's just a fact. There's a lot of cool homes. It's really become gentrified. Wrigleyville, when the Cubs are out of town or it's the winter, people go hang out there. It's a cool area. There's restaurants and shopping and bars and all of it. And I think putting the White Sox... In this area, with a cool stadium, with a bunch of restaurants that are within walking distance already, and what they're going to develop around there, their plan is to have high-end shopping and hotels. Dude, that is a game changer. It puts you on an amazing trajectory to make it a destination. Yeah, but with the White Sox, it's about winning. And that's how it is for the White Sox fan. It, it's a we are a very very difficult fan base to impress, as you well know, Cap. Is we just don't go to the ballpark like robotized sheep just because the lights are on at, at guaranteed rate. You know, we we will go with families, we'll have fun at the games, but you have to make this a new tradition. Could it be a game changer? That's the hope. I'm just saying that the way I see it now, it's kind of a it's kind of a pipe dream. Right now, I don't. I don't see that it's that is going to happen right now. As a Sox fan, what I'm saying is, when you say game changer, you know, may, again for Major League Baseball, yeah, because maybe the new stadium could be built like other stadiums moving forward, new stadiums. But as far as the team, remember, you got to win. That matters, Cap. You can have all the amenities around it, but you got to win. You just don't walk up just because it's new. No doubt about it. But it's like putting the, the baby sapling in the ground or the seeds got to water them you got to till the soil that's what this is you build the stadium you start to develop around there and all of a sudden 20 years from now people look back and go holy cow was that a brilliant decision jerry won't be around at that point he'd be 107 but for future white Sox generations this links that team to this city for the next 50 years you're not going to have to listen. Oh, Jerry was talking to the mayor of Nashville, or Jerry's grandson is talking to the mayor of Honolulu. They're going to put a team out there. Nope. They're the Chicago freaking White Sox. Game change. Yes, for generations. Yes, yes, Cap. And for generations, it'll be the kids and kids' kids that will say, Frank Thomas didn't smile at me. I'm not going back to the ballpark. That's what the kids will say, so, just like their parents and grandparents used to say. So my buddy, like one of my dearest friends, Joe Liberti, he lives in Bridgeport. Yep. He, he's a huge White Sox fan. He says, Cap, mm-hmm. we need the White Sox here. We just have to add to what we have. Stadium near the South Loop will be a traffic bottleneck near the Loop. That they have to figure out. The uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. down there. But for the mm-hmm. fr- like, if I owned the White Sox... Going down there, for me, is a game changer. If I lived in Bridgeport, like Joe does, absolutely I want to keep the team and continue to build up around it. So, yeah, interesting discussion. I think they're moving. All right, CBS Sports put up a new trade proposal 
for Justin Fields. The Las Vegas Raiders, in need of a quarterback, would receive Justin Fields and a 2025 sixth-round pick. In return, the Bears would get the Raiders' third-round pick this year and a 2025 third-round pick that could upgrade to a second if he plays 75% of snaps and a first if they make the playoffs, the Raiders. Shot or no shot, this would be enough to deal Justin Fields. Basically, two third-round picks. Two third round, but if he plays 75% of the snaps and he does have an injury history. He becomes a second round pick. If they make the playoffs, it's a first round pick. Yeah, I would take a shot at that. Unless you tell me yes, that the Falcons are coming in with the eighth pick overall. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Hmm. I, I like that, Shay. I think that that is a shot. And I like the parameters around that as well. So I, I would say that's a shot for me. Is there any concern about them getting fleeced on the way back? Like, I, I had somebody talking to me about you had to trade up in the first round to get Justin Fields. You want to get a requisite comp back. My counter is always Ryan Poles didn't make that trade. That was a different front office. You just got to get right. what you can for the asset that you have. Well, that'd be like me buying a house and then paying whatever the number is 500 grand. The house costs 500 grand. And then we found out. Three years later, there's some structural issues or it's on a floodplain. Well, I paid 500. I got to get my 500 back. Sorry, I'm only offering you 250 because I got to rebuild the foundation. I'll take what I can get. Damn. I think that's only fair. <laughs> I think that's fair uh, because as you laid out, Shay, and I wrote it down, these are two, two third round picks, right? Yeah. Yeah, two third round picks. And then you talked about, you know, if the Raiders would make the playoffs. One of those picks would be a first-round pick. Correct. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That's a shot for me. Yeah. I, I. I like that. That what you're. I like. It's not necessarily like this great haul, but it definitely solidifies you number one in the second round of the draft. You know. And so I. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Count me in. All right. I, also, I write down everything Shay says. By the way, I write everything down on the yellow pad. Yeah. Love, we gotta get it. a board for all my hot takes, and then we can. <laughs> See how bad I do. Uh, Danny wants to know. He just called. Do you want? They're doing a special ceremony in Canton for the 2023 Ravens top five team of all time. You yeah, want to broadcast? I'll be there. Okay. Number three all time in DVOA. DVOA loses once again. Correct. All right. Uh, I did some research yesterday on Super Bowl starting mm-hmm. quarterbacks and where they were drafted. So I made this easier on myself and eliminated anyone drafted before the common draft in 1967. That means 56 quarterbacks since that draft have started the Super Bowl. That's it. Just 56. 12 of them were number one picks. That's the highest amount by any draft position. 30 of 56 were taken in the first round. And of the 14 that made multiple Super Bowls, Five were number one picks. No other draft position had more than two. Shot or no shot, I proved that the number one pick is the single most productive place to find a quarterback. Shot, depending who that number one pick is. You don't just take the guy because he's number one. Like, I didn't want Bryce Young. Too small. But this year, or Joe Burrow, or Trevor Lawrence, who I still think is going to be a really good player, or Andrew Luck. Or John Elway, Peyton, or Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, that's a shot. Absolutely. Your your uh, research 
And by the way, you should be able to copyright that, <laughs> copyright that research, Shay, because it's yours and yours alone. You proved that, yes, the number one pick, that's it right there at the quarterback position. So kudos to you on that research. You said you had nothing to do. You said that you were bored. And guess what? You put something out there that you should put on social media and copyright it. I was listening to Carmen and Yurko yesterday, and they had another caller that I can't remember his name, but he called in and he said, how many number one quarter pick, number one pick quarterbacks have not made the Super Bowl? And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I've heard that a hundred times. So let's find out. And then I went further. 25 quarterbacks have been selected number one overall in the draft. Mm-hmm. More than half of them have started a Super Bowl. 52% See? of number one quarterbacks have started a Super Bowl. <laughs> Sign me See? up, man. See? Sign yeah. me up. At- now, hope is that the Bears can be part of that that research at some point, Cap. Think about that, right? Yep. You get the number one pick, and that, that that number one pick at the quarterback position pays dividends to the point where you get to the Super Bowl. This is why, you know, we've forgotten a little bit about Joe Burrow when we shouldn't because, you know, the injury. But here's a guy here early in the Super Bowl, and he'll be back there again. That team will be back there again. Hopefully the Bears will be able to. If it's going to be Caleb Williams, then he can lead the Bears there as well. It would be so cool, man. All right, Shay. All right, Tom Brady confirmed yesterday what we all already knew when he was on with Pat McAfee. Listen to this. Spoke to a lot of broadcasters um, from this entire season, uh, just learning from them. People, current broadcasters, ones that have done play-by-play analysis. And it's been really fun. I've connected with a lot of fun people. I've got great notes. I could probably write a broadcasting playbook at this point. Um, but it's been something that I really challenged myself, and, and I really look forward to get on there and call games for Fox in twenty in starting September. I've been out to Fox Studios a few times and done some some really dry runs with Kevin, who is tremendous at what he does. I'm super excited to join an amazing team, um, Rich Russo, Rich Russo, and Richie Zions. Um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about football. We've talked a lot about how I see the game, and I think Greg's done an incredible job. I have so much respect for him, how he approaches his job. He's super prepared in what he does. Um, I think he does an incredible job every time he's on. I love listening to him. Um, and, and I'm just going to go in there and do the best I can do with my own perspective. And I certainly have had a unique vision and perspective of the game of 23 years. It's unique. You know, I've been a part of a lot of, you know, I've been a part of a lot of Super Bowls, championship games. I've had some, you know, seasons that didn't go the way we wanted. I have some injuries. I was undrafted rookie. I've seen guys come in with great expectations and not meet it. I've seen underdogs like Julian Edelman come along and make it. So, again, I think I've had 23 years of just observing, and I I get to go on now and speak to a wider audience, and I used to probably use my body and my brain out there, and people would see me kind of lead the team down the field, and now I get to do that in a different way using my voice. How about all the praise he heaped on Greg Olson as he was whacking him out of a job? Sorry, Greg. You're awesome. <laughs> shot or no shot, Tom Brady is doing Greg Olson dirty. No. No shot. Oh, he got a job, no man. They offered him yeah. two. What did they pay him? $350 million or something? 365 yeah. I think. Three sixty-five. crazy. Okay. He didn't put a gun to someone's head at Fox and go, you're paying me that money or I'm pulling the trigger. No. They just said, that we want you. Guess what? Life isn't fair. That's the fact. He's Tom Brady. No, hey, listen. This is a smart move by Fox because it's more than him just being in the booth, as we know. He's talking to partners. 
he's helping Fox on a whole bunch of different levels too. For that money, he just can't just roll in there and just do a game and then go home. No, they have sure a meeting with things. sponsors. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I would imagine so. So the way this works, Cap, is like I think that Tom Brady will be fine as a broadcaster. However, you can go through the slippery slope of the all-time greats trying to do this. Magic Johnson, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Namath. You know, some of the best of the best are not very good at this. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Usually that is like, um, you know, an assistant Ooh, coach. Jim. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, some of the best of the best are not very good as a broadcaster. I think that Tom is going to be fine. I think that uh, I think he's going to be a good broadcaster. I mean, you still got to be able to reach where Aikman is right now, right? Or Greg, where Greg Olson is now. Uh, I just think that Brady will be... I don't know if he's going to be spectacular, but I think he'll be very solid at the job and better than Romo because that's not a high bar. Right? Yeah, that's the lowest bar to clear as a broadcaster, in my opinion. <laughs> but Woody, yeah. I am like, I'm a little annoyed by this because again, I've always taken an issue with the player who leaves football mm-hmm. and goes directly to the A booth. I had a problem when it happened to Tony Romo. I have an issue now when it's Tom Brady, not because I don't think Tom Brady's qualified or he can't do the job, but Greg Olson has been around for a while and he's doing such a good job yes. as a commentator that now Brady, just on name alone, gets to retire and go straight to the A booth with almost he's no Tom broadcaster Brady. training. Who cares? I care. I care as a broadcaster. I got to listen to Tony Romo on Sundays. Guy retired straight to the A booth, no training, and he's a disaster. I can't stand Shea, it. Shea prefers the Shea prefers the Chris Myers Tom Brady booth for those the Arizona Cardinal games. Correct. <laughs> and don't you, don't tell me that this is about ratings. They will rate no matter who's calling the games. Where, where do you think Greg Olson will end up? Where will he go? Well, what's the number two booth on Fox? Is that is that Kenny Albert? That's Ke- what, uh, let's see. Kevin Burkhart will be working with Brady then. Yeah. What's the what's the Albert booth? There's a Chris Myers booth. That's like booth uh, eight. There, there's a there's a, uh, there's a that's the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch screen. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the that's one on my said. old Apple Watch. That's why I said I said I said Shea prefers the Chris Myers Tom Brady booth, the Arizona Cardinal game. That's what I said. Right. The, the, there's the Adam Amin booth. With Adam Amin's awesome. There's that booth. That's I think that's number four. Hoodie, he's good. this poor guy's going to wash up to doing uh, late night college football with Tim Brando. <laughs> They're going to have Greg, Greg Olson washing up to Tim Brando six bourbons deep doing late night college football. So who's booth two? <laughs> It's so funny Shay says that, says that because I've been out with Brando doing that, those bourbon shots. Is it, is it Joe Davis in booth two? Yeah, but who's his, who's his analyst? Uh, is it is it Daryl Johnston? Who's who's with him? I think I think it's right. I think you nailed it right there. Yeah. So so where so where does Greg Olson go? That's a solid t- booth, by the way. With I'm Joe, telling you, you Tim know. Brando and Greg Olson. And Greg Olson's going to just quit. <laughs> He's just going to take him three games. He's going to be like, you know what? Let me see if I can work a deal at Amazon Prime. Yeah, number one is Burkhart, Olson, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi. Booth two is Joe Davis, Daryl Johnson, Pam Oliver. Booth mm-hmm. three is Amin Schlereth, Christina Pink. And then it goes down to the, the Chris Myers booth. 
Uh, yes. let's and, see. And there's, there's also a Gus Johnson booth if they have like an extra game. Okay, then it goes to Kenny Albert, Jonathan Vilma, Shannon Spake, Kevin mm-hmm. Kugler, Mark Sanchez, Laura ah, Oakman. The then it booth. says C. Dark Web, Chris Myers, Robert Smith, Jen <laughs> Hale, yep. Mike Pereira, Dean times. Blandino are your rules analysts. Yeah. Yeah, we got a couple of Mark Sanchez booths. Maybe they put Olsen in the studio. They should put him with a mean. Get a Chicago booth going. That'd be cool. It's fine with me. Maybe they put him in the studio. Don't put him in the studio. He's great on games. I don't want the good games guys doing studio work. And and by the way, there's already eight guys on Fox. I mean, it's already like... uh, Yeah, what happens to poor Gronk? Nine with with James Brown's hairline. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. (laughs) I mean, that's naturally black hair as we go around the NFL. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? All right, time to go around the National Football League. We do it every day. Here is Shane Orley. Uh, before the wild card round started, I organized the 14 NFL quarterbacks into tiers. Yes. I am now revisiting some of those tiers. Some stay uh-huh. the same, some change a little bit. Hold on, Shane. Let me get a fresh yellow pad page here so I can write this down. All right, I'm ready. Go Bring ahead. it on. All right, the bottom tier on my sheet, the seller, is still the Joe Flacco tier, and it consists of Joe Flacco. I just don't know what to do with him. Aww. He was so good in spurts, and then the two pick sixes against Houston. It's just Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. And he's, he's 38 going back years to his, old. Going and, back yeah, to his couch. He's going to be watching on TV again next year. Yeah. Put him in a booth. He- he beat the Bears' ass. Tell you that. Yes, he did. Threw for two twelve in the fourth quarter. That's more than the guy that people are fighting to keep here throws for in a game. Shay, that's got to be the feeling for Joe Flacco has to be. Boy, that was fun. Now back to the Doritos in the couch. He's got to feel good about. It. I mean, I mean, just I mean, just to get up, just feel like you can lead a team, get to the playoffs, and you you do feel accomplished in that. That you were able to do that. That's pretty cool. It's like playing Thanksgiving football for him. He's like, damn, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to go eat some food. Uh, one All tier right. up from the Joe Flacco tier. Bad. That's the name of this tier. Bad. Bad. It, okay. It, it's Mason Rudolph. Oh, That's it. Well, that's yeah, he's good. not good. <laughs> he's just not a yeah. very good player. No. It's okay. Not, not a good. shot. Not They'll good. Go- They'll go back to uh, Kenny Pickett next or season. Or trade for Justin. Or, yeah, or trade for Justin Fields. With Arthur other. Smith, who I told you was good, did a great job with Ryan Tannehill. Telling you. I actually don't hate him as an offensive coordinator. Just don't put him, don't allow him to make any type of personnel decision. None. Right. I Correct. think, yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. So Mason Rudolph in the bad category, the bad tier. Okay. All right, one tier up. This gets a little crowded. Game managers. Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah. Jared Goff. Brock Purdy and Baker Mayfield are in the game managers category. I think these are quarterbacks that can be excellent in ideal situations. But, like, for Tua, 
things really had to be ideal. The defense had to be operating at full strength. The play calling had to be great. The protection had to be great. The weather had to be great for him to operate at the full capabilities. For Goff, when the offensive line wasn't fully healthy throughout the season, things looked bad. When it was, things looked great. Brock Purdy, listen, Robert Mays told Waddle and Sylvie yesterday he's doing more with this offense than Jimmy Garoppolo could, but it ain't really him. It's the elite play caller in Kyle Shanahan and the bevy of weapons and the protection that he gets up front that allows him to operate at a very high level. And Baker Mayfield... I think is a chance to be really good, but right now still in this game manager category where everything's got to be right for him to succeed. I do have a question regarding Tua because you have him at the top of this game manager's list. So, Shay, do you feel like this is all that he'll ever be? Because I've heard also Justin Fields' name uh, bandied about uh, regarding the Miami situation as well. Justin to Miami. I've heard that as well. Boy, that would be odd. Yeah, that would shock me. Do you think Tua could ever grow from just being a game manager? That's the question. We are still only, what, six seasons removed from the tank for Tua conversations? Yeah, I'm not a huge Tua guy. He's okay. I I don't know. Like, you see flashes, and it's the Lewis Riddick flashes get you fired. Uh But you do see flashes that are like, he can really be incredible. I just, is the arm strength ever going to be good enough? Because the underthrows kill me. It feels like Tyreek Hill has to bail him out on bad throws a bunch. Everything's got to be built where it's two seconds or less balls out, and it's because the reads are all there. Mike McDaniel's play calling is fantastic. I don't know. This it might just be who he is. It's not an insult. Being a game manager can get you to a Super Bowl. Goff was sure. on the doorstep. Purdy is there. All right. What's the next tier? Uh, the next tier is, this is interesting because I don't actually value this any higher than the game manager tier. These players mm-hmm. should be better than the game manager tier. But I don't want to hear from better. them anymore. I don't want to hear you talk. If you're in this, I don't want to hear you talk. Talk with your play. You got to okay. prove it. Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. I've heard enough out of you. You want to be the man. Show us on Sunday. Okay, one of those did go to a Super Bowl and almost won it. Like Jalen has. what happened? They had a bad year this year, man. That team's got to go through a bit of a retooling. Got some older players and lose two guys to retirement. But you know what, Cap? To to be fair, Jalen Hurts in the should be better better category is fair because he's got more to shoot for, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles regressed. So, yes, he should be better than this past season with Dak Prescott. I don't know if there's anything more that we're going to see from Dak Prescott because the numbers are impressive. It's just when the lights shine brightest in the playoffs where Dak just and the team disappears. And Lamar, two-time MVP, in that spot at home against Kansas City, you couldn't do any more than what you could do offensively. Blame the offensive coordinator, but also the undisciplined nature of the weapons around Lamar, offense and defense. So I, I agree with that category. But I think Dak is who he is. I don't expect anything more from Dak Prescott. I do not. But Lamar and Jalen, they still have more room to grow. I would agree with that. Boy, and Dak may get a monster contract, which locks him in for basically the rest of his career. Insane. Well, Well, the report is right now is Jerry won't commit. Jerry's a little hesitant to commit to Dak Prescott. And he can't tag him. So so here's here's where you are with Dallas. You won't commit to Dak, and you won't commit to McCarthy. 
Interesting. Right, because if they go out next year and have 10, 12 wins and get knocked out in the divisional round or, or earlier, see you later, guys. I appreciate everything. We're going to rebuild this thing. Yeah, or does he force his way out, Deck? You got an owner who won't commit to you long term. You can't be tagged. You kind of have all of the cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. God, I don't want to be here. See what you can get for me. And Jerry right. could say, guess what? I'm not trading you. You're playing here, or you can make your $40 million somewhere else in another line of work. Because they won't be quarterback, right, Cal? Because they were just saying. <laughs> no, he can't <laughs> leave Scott, Dallas. You are if an he, Alamo car rental salesman. If you're not going to play for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, if I was the owner, you don't want to be here because I won't give you a big contract? Guess what? I don't have a better option right now. You want to play? I'll reward you if you earn it. Nope, I want to be traded. Guess what? Go work at Alamo Rental Car then, because you're not playing for anybody else. How about I'm that? Tired of owners caving in to prima donna athletes. Play the game, make your forty million dollars, and you want to get taken care of. Do something in the postseason. Yeah, how about that, Jay Moore? I mean, Cap has got uh, Dak Prescott just got chained to the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> or, or the Dallas area like Black Snake Moan. The man, he just he can't move. It's amazing. He has to stay in Dallas, right, Cap? But he, but he can't be the quarterback of Dallas. He has no, to go someplace else. He can be the quarterback of Dallas. Uh-huh. I'm paying you $40 million or whatever he gets. Yeah. You want to play this year? But you're not going to demand a trade. Sorry. That's fair. All right. What's the next category? All right. I got two more tiers. I'll go through them quickly. The okay. next tier is game changers. Game changer. I have Josh Allen, who I do still believe will get over the hump one day. He was fantastic for the most part in that game against Kansas City. Just couldn't get it done again. It's a team issue. It can be a coaching issue. They might have some struggles this offseason. We'll see. C.J. Stroud, who I think is an MVP candidate throughout his career on the rise. What a rookie season. Matthew Stafford in that Detroit game, I didn't think it was his fault. I thought it was McVay getting a little conservative at the goal line. He should have trusted that quarterback more. And, yikes, Jordan Love. Fair. Wow. A game changer? Yeah. Game changer category, Mahomes? Nope. No, Allen. Josh Allen, Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud, and Matthew Stafford. Damn. Mahomes is in a different tier. Mahomes' oh, tier is Patrick Mahomes. That's fair. <laughs> Wait a minute. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is in the Patrick Mahomes tier alone, on, on his own, well in front of everyone. God uh, bless. Shane, that's, Shane, that's good marketing right there. The Mahomes category is Mahomes. Okay. I like it. All right, yeah. we, got, we have a waddle Wednesday, And when we get Tom Waddle in our lives, we are all smarter and better for it. You can be Correct. dumber and listen to Mike Lombardi, or you can but, be intelligent and listen to the great Gregory Thomas Waddle. And he joins us next. Good morning. Glad you're along for the Captain J. Hood experience. We're here weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN. Hello. Chicago. Good morning. Tom Waddle. Tom Waddle. Former wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. The guy's amazing. 1989 All Madden team and afternoon co host on ESPN Chicago. I think he's going to start at least eight games in the National Football League next year for a team that's going to give him a chance. It's Waddle Wednesday with Tom Waddle. Listen, I got a pedicure in an hour. When I get back here, the wheels better be spinning, all right? On Captain G Hood, ESPN Chicago. 
yes, it's Tom Waddle on a Waddle Wednesday. Every Wednesday here on the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show. And Cappy, Tommy's on the hotline. Tommy's on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. And now, Tom, by the way, the 8 o'clock hour brought to you by the village of Bolingbrook. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Everything exciting in your world as the Bears continue to add to their coaching staff. Yes, everything's good, but I don't think this uh, this little get-together can start unless Jonathan does it correctly. Well, I got trampled, Tommy, so I guess we have to wait till next week. He got trampled because no, 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 no. he's in Evansville. We, we no, can hit I, rewind. No, I'm, yeah, I'm still on the air, though. I'm still here. Hey, by the Tommy, way. Tommy, how I... are you? Tommy, how are you? Good. <laughs> good. Good to hear from you. Go ahead. Now we're ready. Hey, by the way, I saw a story. Where, do you use the? Do you ever use the hotel iron in your room? In your hotel room? If there is one, yes. But uh, okay. the ones lately around the Missouri Valley, uh, yeah. more modern, don't have an iron here. It's okay. There was just like they, there was a warning from some travel site that just said, "Be careful," you know, because people use their iron in their their hotel room for strange things, like heating, reheating pizzas, and doing all oh. kinds of crazy stuff. So just be careful. <laughs> no, no, Why? I would not do that. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I, an iron guy. I'm not. No, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not an iron. So does that mean you just like to walk around with wrinkled clothing, or you just send it all in a bag to the dry cleaners? Either to the dry cleaners, I use a steamer, but I'm not an iron guy because I always took an extra shirt when I was going to do a game. Right. And I've done mm-hmm. 2,000 games. And one of my first trips, I took the iron, I heated it up. I oh, was, no. yeah, I was in the shower, I came out. And it had tipped over and had oh, no. burned right through my shirt. Oh gosh! Oh. Yeah, you ever wear a suit with a like a uh, t-shirt with writing on it? Yeah, I look like an idiot. That's oh. awesome. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah. The steamer though has replaced the iron in some ways though. As yes, mentioned. it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So okay, I'm sorry, I sidetracked this. All right, thing. so the Bears have that. now <laughs> finished off their coaching staff. They grabbed a running back coach that had worked with Shane Waldron. They've got. You know, all of this staff put together, and it looks like, to me, it's a staff built to draft Caleb Williams. What is your take on what they've been able to accomplish? Because I think that they've really upgraded their offensive staff. Yeah, I, I, I like what they've done. And I think the, the thing that has me most appreciative of what they've done is, is that th- this was a really detailed process. It wasn't just one guy or two guys. They brought a number of different guys in, and guys that, that, you know, everyone kind of, a lot of the guys these days run something that's related to the Shanahan or to the McVay, you know, type of offense, that tree over there. Um, but the, so they, they interviewed guys like that. They interviewed Greg Roman. So, like, they, I think that they did a really exhaustive and, and thorough job at interviewing different guys, and I, and I really like that. And I think now you've got a group of guys that have done this before. Like Thomas Brown is the guy they just brought in, right? They, they interviewed him to be the OC, but now he's going to be. And he had two head coach interviews. Best, yeah, basically. So you got a guy here that's got tremendous, tremendous resume. You got a couple of guys. Shane Waldron has called plays for three years. Um, that's something that was important to me. It doesn't mean that he's going to be better at calling plays than someone could do it for his first time. Because as you saw, Bobby Slowick Jr. did a really nice job in his first you know, go of, of calling plays in Houston. But for me, in the situation that this team finds itself in, I was looking for someone with a little bit more experience for my taste. So I did like 
I did like that. I Cap, though, I, I, like if you told me that that you connected the dots and, and at the end of the day, you, you know, you came to the conclusion that it meant to you that they're going to draft someone with the first pick, I wouldn't argue with you, but I'm not really necessarily. I, I don't. I'm not connecting the dots for any long term conclusion as, as to what they're going to do at the quarterback position. I will say this though, I think what they've told you is they believe in this system. Okay? That's the same system Luke Getzey ran, by the yes, way. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And 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 I think they look around the league and this is the system that is working. Now there are different tweaks that you have to use to get it to function at a really high level, and you do have to pair it with the talent level and the different guys that you have in your, inside your offensive huddle. But it works. It works in, in, in Detroit. It works in Green Bay. When everyone's healthy, it works in Minnesota. It works in San Francisco. Uh, it works in Los Angeles. It, it, it works really everywhere. So I think that the, the conclusion I came to is, is that they, they're, they're sold on they want to do it kind of this way now you just have to decide. And if you conclude, Cap, that that means that they're going to, to, to pivot and go with Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever it is, I wouldn't argue with you on that. Um, I just think that they've made a really loud statement with regard to what their, you know, their philosophy is on offense. You know, Tommy, one thing we've talked about regarding the NFC North is, is that Detroit, yes, they fell short of their goal trying to get to the Super Bowl, but that looks sustainable, especially yep. now that Ben Johnson looks like he's going to return his OC, so at least that's stabilized. Green Bay has been the hammer and the Bears have been the nail for quite some time. So which team do you think has the brighter future between the two that the Bears should be wary of? I would go with Green Bay because I think that you've got a younger – look, this, I think it's a great question. Um but I, I, Green Bay's the youngest team in the National Football League. They've drafted well, in my humble opinion. They're going to get out from underneath Aaron Rodgers' contract, not this year, but next year. So the following year, they're going to have a lot of money. Now they're going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do contract-wise with Jordan Love. But I, I think that the, the Green Bay situation would be one because they're so young and because their quarterback is young and because you know the system has been proven – that I probably would side with them. I do like what D- Detroit has done, certainly. And I think, as you mentioned, Jonathan, bringing back Ben Johnson is, I, look, I was thrilled when the thought was, as a Bears fan, I, I wanted Ben Johnson out of, the, out of the division because I think he's really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Aside from calling him for a run on third down at the goal line with time expiring and you having to call a timeout. I mean, there were a couple of things that happened Sunday that I didn't think was Ben Johnson at his best, but the totality of what he has done has been really good. You know, we had this conversation earlier this week about what my expectations are for the Bears, and I would change my – I'm willing, based on what they do in the offseason with the draft and free agency, right now I still say the Bears are the, are, the, are, are, are the team in the bottom of the division. Like Now I may change my mind when, when, when the draft comes and goes and I see what Ryan Poles does with the roster, but right now you're going to tell me that Green Bay shouldn't be listed above the Bears? You're going to tell me that the Lions shouldn't be listed above the Bears? and probably be the Vikings and the Bears at this point. They define you know, they gotta define what they're gonna do with, with cousins at the quarterback position. But I think this team is really um you know, it's it's pointed in the right direction, but I'm kind of in I'm I'm in Missouri mode right now. You gotta show me. All right. I, I gotta go back to something that you said earlier and I haven't I think Hoodie agrees with me here, but you said you're not ready to make any conclusions about what they're doing at quarterback Right. based on the staff that they put together. That's what you said, correct? 
Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, like they may have capped. They may have already come to the conclusion just based I'm, on. I'm not who saying they, they didn't. Is. But I want to push back at you. Okay. You're telling me that Shane Waldron was the hottest OC candidate out there, and the Bears paid him what I was told a ton of money, and he's coming here. Thomas Brown comes in when uh, the poll in the Athletic. He was like the third most popular offensive coordinator in the NFL, and he worked in Carolina this year. He had head coaching interviews. They went and got two other guys off the Seattle staff, and there's a bunch of staffs out there trying to get filled. They're coming here to fix a dude in his fourth year? No effing way. Well, like I said, I wasn't going to argue with you. I think that was the premise of before I even said. I I, I said, if you want to come to that conclusion, I'm not going to argue with you. I can see how you can connect those dots. I just they haven't even talked with with Caleb Williams or putting through. What if Cap? What if they go through the process and they don't like what they hear? Right. I mean, at yes. That, what, what, I mean, what, what what then? What if what if you get down the road and everything that you're feeling you feel great about, and then you you, you get to the intersection, you're like, oh hell, what is that? Like I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not. I, I loved you, how you guys handled the caller yesterday. Like people who have jumped the gun, oh, and come God. to conclusions about different players. Welcome to 2024 in social media, where everyone's an expert and everyone has all the answers. But, uh, but I thought that was great um, how you guys handled it. But Cap, what uh, again? I I'm telling you that the, the majority of me feels what you feel. But until you've done all of the due diligence, wouldn't you say that there's still a chance? Might be small, but I, and either way, I, I don't think, Cap, that they I don't think that they feel that they can get to the Super Bowl running an offense that Greg Roman ran five years ago. Agreed. So, so even if they do keep Justin, it ain't going to be, you know, all design quarterback runs and rollouts. He's going to have to play the position from the pocket quite a bit. And again, I'll go back to say to folks, when you look at J- Justin's successful moments, whether it was against the Commanders or whether it was against the Atlanta Falcons, whoever it was, a lot of his best moments were from the pocket. So mm-hmm. everyone that is screaming about, you've got to get him on the edge, you've got to do this for him, you've got to cater to this. No, you don't have to spend 100% of your time doing that. Some of the time, you use his, his very elite skill set. But at the end of the day, if you can't function from the pocket, I don't care how athletic and how much of a yeah. threat you are. You ain't getting there. Well, what I, I said, and uh, we got a break here, but I just wanted to say briefly, what I told Cap earlier is, is that there's always that outside chance. Like, yes, yeah. we think that Caleb Williams could be a difference maker for a team, Tommy. But the, again, you have to do your due diligence and find out what's between Caleb Williams' ears. We know that he can be a, a terrific quarterback on this level based on what we saw in college. However, you do have to think there's that 1% that says, okay, Justin Fields, we're going to roll him back. And, and again, the overarching point that I've made is, is that whoever the quarterback is, you still have to be able to do job one, get protection, yeah. better offensive line, get a bookend wide receiver on the other side of, of DJ Moore. So whoever the quarterback is, the, the message is still the same. You have to improve on offense, no matter who's coaching it, no matter who's running it. All right, we'll take it, a time it Real out. quick, real quick. You, uh-huh. You're going to have to function inside this offense because this is the offense they have chosen. All right, we'll come back more with the great Tom Waddle. That's right. He's no Mike Lombardi. He's our Tommy Waddle. Oh. He's next. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back. back to Cap and Jay Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. All right, rolling on with the
the great Tom Waddle on a Waddle Wednesday. He's Hoodie. I'm Cap. So, hey, Cap. Yes, sir. Can, can I just give me 10 seconds? I just want to, to kind of read, because I, I think maybe I was mumbling at one point. I just want to kind of clarify. I, I don't think your premise and connecting your dots is wrong. Mm-hmm. The only point I wanted to make to you is, is, is that I think in 2024, what they made the statement they made with who they hired is, is look, this system works and we're going to work with it. And we'll tweak it to the skill set of certain guys. But we're not going back to 2017 or 18 and building an offense that looks like that. This is what we run, and whoever's under center or in shotgun is going to have to be efficient in this offense. That's all I was saying. Completely agree. You agree, Hoodie? Yeah. I do agree, yes. All right, let's talk a little bit about that ninth pick before we get you out of here. Everyone's so focused on Caleb or trading that pick. I feel like you just got to take the best player on the board. You're not nine deep with all pros. Take the best freaking player on the board. And if that's Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers, great. If it's Joe Alt, the left tackle, great. Yeah. What do you say? I'm cool with that. L- listen, <clears throat> said this two years ago. That's Sorry, fine. Hoodie, I'll give you five. Um, I'll give you ten. I don't care. Um, I said two years ago, whenever, remember when, when Ryan had his first draft and all, we didn't have a first round pick. He, his second round and everyone was screaming for George Pickens and all yeah. kinds of other things we want. Yeah. And he stayed consistent and convicted to his board. Yes. And he drafted Brisker and he drafted Gordon. Kyler Gordon. And everyone was kind of like itchy and scratchy about it. How do you feel about those picks right now? Love them. Pretty good. Mm hmm. My ho- and my concern at the time was was that Ryan came in and talked to Ted Phillips and to George McCaskey at the time and said, you want to hire me because this is my philosophy. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to see, guys, is in year one in his first draft, him pivot from his philosophy and do something to appease somebody else. No, he didn't do that. He stayed convicted to his board. And Always his take the best player on the board. Always. So with that in mind, Cap, I still no. think they're a year or two away from having the luxury to make a decision about a position versus about the best player. They're not there yet, okay? Agreed. The Lions, I think, you know, I would have never taken Jameer Gibbs in the first round because I do believe that that's, that's early, but they have the luxury because there's some of the rest of their offense is set. Their line is set. You know, they've got other things. I would just say they've still got enough needs, whether it's a left tackle, it's a pass rusher, it's a three technique, or it's a wide receiver. You still have enough needs that at nine you can still take the best guy that you have on your board at this time. Otherwise, why are you setting your board up? That's what Paul said to me. Amen. He's like, hey, yeah, man, I just... put all this money and time into the board, yes. and I go, I don't know. Yeah. I know he's on the top of my board, but I'm going to go down three spots because i got to get George Pickens. Amen. Yeah, just yeah, it's a, you know, disagree. It, it, you know, when it comes to the draft, it's not one size fit all. It's just not the idea that you always stick to your board. Yeah, you might have guys that you really covet and you think that could fit. However, you do have to be able to fill holes on your roster. I don't think that's a fait complete that you always just go with best available on your board. I don't. But Jonathan, I think and that's a very that's a that's a fair point. That's a great point. But I still think they're in a position right now where. They can find a guy sticking to your board that's going to contribute because they still have so many holes. A year from now, then I, you know, yeah. If you're flush with offensive linemen and you're picking at nine and the best guy on your board is an offensive tackle, but you got a hole at wide receiver and you want to fill it at that point when, you're, when your roster's more mature, that's when I would be more flexible. But hell, yes. nobody's asking me to be the GM of anything. So, 
Yeah, no, I agree. No, but but when Cap makes it black and white, I don't agree with that because there's always circumstances. Well, it's not just your board. I don't agree. Yeah. I don't. I think I think there's certain times where here comes that uh, that guy that's been scouting for a while. He's got this short tie, the misshapen <laughs> guy with the with the with the the jacket that's too tight. Coach, hey, hey, I got somebody for you. I forgot about this guy, and all of a sudden now that person's not on your board, but all of a sudden that person fits. I just think that. Yeah, you can stick to your board, but I don't think that that's the end-all, be-all for every situation. Can we can we agree at least Cap's not pounding on the table in the studio that is ringing through your ears to make his point? <laughs> no, so no, not that's today. Pro- I don't do that anymore. <laughs> that's my point, Cap. That's progress. That's progress. All right, you have a great rest of your day, Tommy. Yep, you too. Travel safe, hoodie. All Absolutely. Right. We'll see and we'll hear you later. Waddle and Sylvie, 2.30 to 6.30. Carmen York are 12 till 3, so you get a 30-minute Fun spirited crosstalk with Carm York Waddle, Sylvie Black and Abdallah, six thirty to eight. News on the Cubbies. Next. Oh.